hard to believe that you can make good money doing what you love while making the world a better place? I feel you. My name is Eden and I'm a holistic business coach who spent years in nonprofits believing things like money is the root of all evil and trying to spiritually bypass capitalism before my desire for comfort, freedom, and stability outweighed my attachment to my limiting beliefs. See, after years of helping myself and many, many clients create profitable, regenerative feeling businesses that honor our spiritual and material needs, I launched New Money Social Club to give the very best coaching, community, and strategy for aligned abundant growth to believe it we've got to see it so this podcast centers the stories of diverse entrepreneurs who are daring to live work and create on their own terms in the spirit of a mutually flourishing equitable new economy Welcome, everybody, to New Money Social Club's Founder Talk with our very, very special guest, Amanda David of Rootwork Herbals and the wisest, most down-to-earth and inclusive herbalism school of all time, the People's Medicine School, Um, which, by the way, is now recruiting. And in my opinion, it is the absolute best way to move through the seasons of the year while feeling deeply connected and held by its medicine. So if you are not already, um, you know, a part of People's Medicine School or had the chance to experience it, I highly recommend checking them out. So I'm Eden, and I'm the creator of New Money Social Club, which is a membership platform that helps purpose-driven people heal their relationship with money so that they can build profitable and sustainable businesses. Little story. So I met Amanda about 10 years ago in Ithaca, New York, and let's be real, I sought her out. She was the beautiful herbalism queen who was practicing such a rich and magnetic form of community medicine, while also just being the coolest, kindest, funnest, most down-to-earth Scorpio you've ever met. I don't remember exactly how I approached her, but I stumbled my way into being in relationship with not only her, her beautiful children, her relationship with the living world, and her work. And for me, it was all very transformational. At the time, I had found myself at the tail end of a 10-year career in nonprofits, which, as well-intentioned as they were, often ended up feeling wasteful, ill-fitting, and patronizing to the people that they were intended to serve. I knew there had to be a better way, and I didn't know what that was, but I was determined to co-create one with people who, like Amanda, were doing the most important work in the world, in my opinion, and I wanted to find a way to help them get paid well, sustainably, without overworking themselves and without outpricing their audience. Through partnership with Amanda, I watched her transform her mindset, her motivation, and the mathematics of her business to honor the livelihood she needed as a mother of three kids, as a boss. We leveraged digital strategy to reorient her business in a more easeful and profitable way while expanding her reach to connect with the wide world of folks who were out here looking for her because at the time, she was a little off the grid. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe still, I don't know. Um, And that was only the beginning. Since then, she and her amazing team have grown her school, the People's Medicine School, to serve thousands of students from around the world, many of whom identify as BIPOC, queer, trans, and those with a liberatory focus. She's also included an interpersonal reparations model in her business, and she's found a way to share such earthy wisdom effectively and respectfully online, which, in my opinion, is both a feat and a beautiful gift for everyone she reaches. 
At every turn, Amanda has steered the ship of her business towards mutual liberation. She toes the line between working with the world enough as is, i.e. being willing to work with this imperfect system of capitalism that we're in, enough to feel nourished and sustainable while uncompromisingly pushing its boundaries towards a more equitable future. Amanda's approach to herbalism is based in the ways of her ancestors, building intimate relationships with the plants that grow nearby in order to bring herbal medicine and home health care to the people. In doing this, she sees herbalism as a means to support life and thus resist against oppressive systems which undermine health. Above all, Amanda is a lover of plants and a lover of people and is passionate about bringing them together in a down-to-earth, joyful, and accessible way that promotes personal and planetary healing. So it's my absolute honor to hold space for this conversation today with Amanda. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, we're going to jump right in. We're both Scorpios. We have that in common. So we're going to jump right in to the to the uh to the deep end <laughs> and talk about money um and as i bring up money um i just want to honor the fact that like all of us in our nervous systems likely feel wildly uncomfortable maybe a little unsafe um talking about thinking about money capitalism all that kind of stuff even business for a lot of us right a lot of us have been marginalized from access to these spaces for so many years um that it's a new thing and it's a new feeling for us. So as we stumble our way through this conversation, I just want to invite all of us to resource yourself. Um, you included, Amanda, um, you know, drink tea, feel the earth beneath your feet, um, do all that we have to do to ground ourselves in this conversation um, as we dip into some of these, you know, difficult subjects sometimes. So to start off, Amanda, can you share a story that you grew up with around money? Thank you, Eden. Uh, first of all, I just want to say that was the like just most touching and beautiful intro that could have ever happened. So thank you so much. I'm just like blushing and tearing up and all the things. I love you so much. And um, I will say, I remember the first time that I met you and you came into the herb shop and just like, I just instantly fell in love with you. Um, just your presence and your beauty and just like, just everything about you. I was like, this person is going to be my homie and we are going to like do amazing things together. So yeah, I just, yeah, I just want to say that and just like just so much appreciation and just so grateful for you and all you've done for me and all you're doing for the world. Um, so just want to put that out there first. Um, thank you. And a story that I grew up with around, around money. That's a great question. I think money was, there weren't too many stories about money. Money was like something that was like totally just not discussed. You know, like my parents were completely like, I, it was like, I was an adult before I had any idea, like how much my parents made or like what was like, you know, accessible to them. They really kept it they worked really hard to like, you know, provide all the things they could, but it was absolutely not talked about. We never talked about budgeting. We never talked about like the things you have to do for money or the things you don't want to do for money or like if things were affordable or not. Like it was just, it was storyless. It was storyless. Mm. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. No, I really appreciate that. And I'm sure that um, a lot of folks resonate with that. Um, So similarly, differently, uh, you have been doing (laughs) this for a long time. When I met you, you had already been an herbalist for 20 years, which is insane because you're only like 28 years old. Um, Correct. So as you look back on this luscious, you know, winding road of a career that you've carved out because you've been you've been on this path your entire life, right? Your entire adult life. I'm curious about what have been some of the major turning points um, as you kind of look back and recall, like what are some of the major turning points? Yeah, yeah. So, so many things. um, And as they like relate to like my relationship with money. Um, it's, it's been a, a wild road. I feel like when I first, um, for so many years, um, just really felt like money was the root of evil. You know what I'm saying? Just like, keep it real. I just, I was just like, I was confusing money like the, the currency with capitalism. You know what I'm saying? I was just getting those two things conflated. And so it's like, you know, it took me a while to realize, wait, no, capitalism is the evil part. It, money in and of itself is neutral and it's a, a tool and a currency um, that we can use to support life, right? And so, yeah, so I went from trying to run a business and like not wanting to charge, you know, I still think everything should be free, you know what I'm saying? But we're not, we're not there yet. We're working there. So running a business and not feeling good about charging for any of my services, um, just literally sacrificing all the things like, you know, like sacrificing, (laughs) like my family, my own health, like, um, being able to support my family in a good way that was like nourishing to them because I was wanting to just give away everything for free and do everything for free. And, and, um, it was a huge shift, a huge shift to like, um, kind of come to the point where I was able to see like, okay, it's, it's the money isn't, <laughs> isn't innately evil. Money is something that, you know, until we are free of the system that we're under is something that can be, um, just a flow of energy that's, that can be supportive to life. That can like bring ease to my life. That can help to bring ease to my children's life. And in doing that can hopefully help bring ease to the wider community. And so, um, you know, that took many years. That took many years. You were very influential in actually, yes, a hundred percent. You're totally influential in me, like being able to shift that mindset. But, um, you know, and, and, you know, something that I, a shift that kind of happened is like, how, how is me staying poor, like helping anything? And how is me staying poor hurting capitalism? It's not. And so the things that I want to do are help things and, you know, you know, you know, one peg at a time, like bring down capitalism. And so me staying poor wasn't doing either of those two things. It was really me fitting into the box that capitalism wanted me to be in. So you're not going to do, you know, like, then I'm like, wait, I don't want to do that. So let me work within this system, which even like saying those words, it kind of doesn't feel good. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) I can't lie. It doesn't feel good, but, but it is reality. It's a system that we have to work with. So how can I maneuver 
through the system in a way that um, is going to like show people that there's ways to do that in a good way that shows people that there's like alternatives that you don't have to sell your soul in order to like be able to thrive within the system. And so that's kind of what I'm trying to do. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. That's a TED talk. You did it. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so much of what we talk about in New Money Social Club, the like kind of founding lesson is really around how like our mission is everything. And basically, like we have to have a story that we can step into that makes sense of our relationship uh with capitalism, with with money, right? We have to have the power, a story that's powerful enough for every cell in our body to get behind um charging Absolutely. money, making money. Um and I what I love about what you shared and about the type of conversations that we try to hold space for is that I feel like in the kind of digital marketing online business world, you just hear a lot of people who are like, I went from zero to six figures in like two weeks. <laughs> and it's all these like dramatic success stories um, that really leave out the intricacies in terms of our honest relationships and how it is just this eternal navigation of our totally. values. Like there's not just like a crossing through the threshold of now that I'm making good money. I don't, I'm like totally cool with it. Um, and so I really appreciate you making space for that complexity. Yeah, that's so real. And I think, um, it's just, yeah, like wherever you are in it, there's always another pitfall. I feel like that capitalism is like (laughs) throwing at you. So you always have to, there's always something to navigate. There's always like a relationship with it to navigate. And I feel like for me, one thing that I've been thinking about um, recently is like, okay, now that like, you know, the family's off food stamps and we're able to travel a little bit and we can like, you know, buy some things that, that feel nice to buy. Um, for me, it's like thinking about, okay, I have to just, what do I, what do I have to do with it myself to like maintain um like what feels good and what feels healthy, but without going over the edge. You know what I'm saying? Because so many people, like that's a pitfall. Like you're like, oh, I'm making a little money. This is fun. Let me make more. Let me make more. And nothing. there's anything wrong with more and more, but you know what I'm saying? But like, how do I keep, how do I like rein it in where that doesn't now become the ultimate goal? You know what I'm saying? So, um, so that's something that, yeah, you know, I, 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 always like being mindful of okay like how much do I really need how much do I really need what is the line between like being extravagant for no reason and like what's comfortable so there's always always fun things to navigate out here (laughs) yeah with each level of wealth and growth in your business comes a whole new it's like a new totally game right with different kind of mindset blocks that pop up that you got to kind of find your way around it's it really is a never-ending journey but I think if we look at it like a this is really important work to be doing, not only for you and your family and me and my family and, you know, everybody here, but also like as we do this work for ourselves, we are changing what capitalism can look like, what totally. what, what money exchange can look like amongst people, what a healing economy can look like. Absolutely. Um, okay, I'm going to. I'm taking a left here, but you inspired me. Okay. So like part of your growth did include getting on social media (laughs) much to, uh, you know, 
it was, you know, not the most easeful journey, but, um, (laughs) I feel like, so like, I'm curious to hear about like your relationship with social media, but more than that, I think what's deeper for a lot of people is this fear of being seen and kind of fear of, um, yeah, being seen by like a lot of people and kind of like, like this uncomfortableness with being like kind of thrust into the limelight in a way. And I'm curious if you could share a little bit about what that journey has been like for you and what story you tell yourself as to like why you're cool with that. (laughs) Yes, we can always make up a story. So, (laughs) so, so what I will say is, um, Again, my deep love for Eden. Eden like literally took my phone and signed me up for Instagram back in the day. You know what I'm saying? And that I would have probably never done that. And so incredibly grateful that that happened because um, through Instagram, that's been like a huge, like, yeah, like my business, like the work that I do would be nowhere near at the like uh, where we're at if it wasn't for being able for being on social media and Instagram like specifically because it's like I got there and then I was like yeah I'll just I'll stay here we'll see how long that can last but uh, (laughs) but um social media you know we all have a interesting relationship with it it's wild and I think that there's so much there's so much beauty there right there's so many incredible opportunities to connect with people There's so many opportunities to reach people who like resonate with you and your work that you wouldn't be able to reach otherwise. Um, I like literally get most of my like news from social media. Like there's so, you know, like you can keep abreast of like so many movements and what's going on in the world through social media. So in that way, it's like so such a beautiful tool for connection and community. And of course, we all know like the the other sides of it where it's... um, you know, just like super fake. And it's like putting people like making people like compare themselves to other people and is a place where people really are scrutinized for like what they're doing in their lives. And there's a lot of like, just like rabbit holes and like spirals that you can go on with social media that might not be the healthiest. And then of course, there's just like the social media addiction and how you know, those companies are playing off that, you know, and, and, and making it so that we are kind of like addicted and they're feeding us all these things. So, right. So there's, there's, there's a lot there. (laughs) There's a lot there and how I tried to navigate, you know, my relationship and feeling okay being there is really just like thinking about it as like, you know, like kind of the first things that I talked about, like this is a way to connect with people and so many beautiful connections have been made and you know, I don't like post a ton on there. Like I don't set up any kind of like, I have to post once a day or I have to post once a week or like I have to, I don't have any have tos around it. Like I really post when I feel like inspired to share something. Like if there's like a beautiful moment or if like, you know, the scholarship applications are open, I just use it to just really like share things that I feel like need to be shared. And then I keep it, I keep it moving. And I try to (laughs) Try not to, um, yeah, get caught up in any like, um, which is sometimes hard because, you know, sometimes people are like, oh, well, if you, you know, if you want to grow your business, you want to reach a bigger audience, you have to play to the algorithm and you have to do these things. And like, you have to make reels, you have to, you know, all the things. And so sometimes I'll dabble like, oh, let me make a reel. 
And then I'll be like, no, I'll make my kid make reels. That That's better. <laughs> but um, so, yeah, I just try to not like have it be like this, like dogmatic thing where like there's shoulds and should nots and have to. And just try to keep it really like super real, like inauthentic and just say the shit that I want to say, even if, you know what I mean? Because I feel like the people who it resonates with, it's going to be just way easier and smoother for everyone if I'm being authentic. And so that's how I try to navigate that. It's wild though out there. It's like, <laughs> it is. Um, no, thank you for sharing that. I actually utilize you as a case study often in terms of like, look, you don't need to post every day. You don't even need to post every week. Like you just got to do a little bit at least and have like a nice sort of billboard so that people can find you. Because like when yeah. you came online, there were not a lot of herbalists practicing herbalism in the way that you were or who shared different identities that you hold. And so pe- folks were like so hungry to be able to learn from you. Um, and so through Instagram, we just literally allowed you to be found, right? Yeah. Um, we also utilized SEO, which is another way to allow yourself to be found online, right? And yes, on one end of the spectrum, folks can get super gamey, like game the system um, with social media, with SEO, with digital digital marketing in general, but you don't have to play that game. You can literally show up in a similar way that Amanda did. And look, it's a slower growth model. Like it's taken some years and, you know, it's a slower growth, but like that honored your pacing and what felt true for you. And so just know that there's a wide world of um, options out there for y'all. And just um, retracing a lot of steps here, when we first got you on Instagram, one of the first things that uh, we did was we did leverage uh, some, some, hashtags that were like, you know, um, uh, yeah, herbalists of color, for instance, or just other, uh, hashtags that were like your folks that you were looking for you, that you were looking for. And we would engage a little bit with folks who were also using those hashtags. So I just want to share that because, um, I'm sure that you don't need to do all that now, but like just to grow in the beginning and start connecting with people to start to be found, those types of strategies can absolutely be helpful, right? Because if you just throw a profile up, um, the chances of people finding you are pretty uh, small. So you do need to put in that little extra effort, but then that really worked, I think, on itself. Um, and, you know, all the work that y'all do now um, is just even more beautiful. Absolutely. So um, at some point, Amanda, so... I know that when we first started working together, you made you made like a ton of changes in your business. Um, you kind of like you were you were in this sliding scale model for the People's Medicine School. And um, and we structured it and actually raised your prices so that it was like a sustainable thing for you. Um, and then I think it was like maybe a year later where you were like, look, this is going great. But here's the problem. Like, I want to serve folks who often are the most marginalized from access to resources and straight up, they don't have the money. And I think it's really interesting because like in my world, in the digital marketing world, there is this pressure, I think, to just commit, just find the money, um, just, you know, charge these high rates and or whatever you need to charge and just trust that they'll find the money. And there's so much truth there. But also when we are dealing with populations who are the most marginalized from access to resources, like that move can be straight up unsafe for folks and like just not realistic. And so Amanda was like, I need to find a way 
to still serve the folks that I want to serve who straight up just don't have money for this. And she came to the table with the idea of monthly sustainers, right? And so can you talk a little bit about how that addition of this kind of additional revenue stream has allowed you to do the work that you love to do with the people you love to do it with? Absolutely. Yeah, that was really huge um, because... Yeah, I mean, sliding scale is amazing. It also has its pitfalls. Um, I talk about them a lot. You might have heard it if you know me. Um, but <laughs> um, and then I think there is like this beauty of like knowing your worth and knowing the worth of your programming and then setting that fee. And then, yeah, just like people, you know, the right people will be able to figure it out. They'll be able to get there. And it's like I see the beauty in that as well. And like you were saying, I think for me, I was just like, I just feel like the people who I'm most called to work with and who really like need this healing and aren't able to get it from so many other sources are people just at like multiple intersections of margin of being marginalized and just don't have necessarily the funds to be able to like put down for an herb class. And so, yeah, just for, for, for me to feel good about like, you know, my work, I was like, I need to figure out a way to make this, to make this accessible to to everyone. And so, yeah, I think I, and the, just the idea of like, okay, there is no shortage of money. Turns out there's a lot of it. <laughs> there's a whole lot of it. You know what I'm saying? The problem is the distribution of it. And so, um, just like, how do we tap into like this? How do we tap into that abundance? How do we tap into the fact that there's enough money for literally everybody to literally do whatever they want? It's just about how do we get it to where it needs to go? And so, yeah, I guess just the idea came that like, okay, what if we really made this like a community effort and folks who, um, for all of the reasons of, of privilege and, and all the things have, extra money they have money they have what they need and they have some extra if that could be redirected to some folks who through no fault of their own um don't have the money <laughs> and so um this kind of idea of the sustainer program was born um i think it was also at a very specific moment in history that allowed it to work you know what i'm saying like i feel like if we tried it you know like 20 years ago people would be like huh? You know, like, what? <laughs> and so I think that like the timing was, was really worked really well. And so it's been a, it's just been a game changer. It allows me to feel, um, just, so, yeah, it just really allows so many folks to be able to go through the course and to receive consultations and to come to the garden who would not otherwise be able to um that feels amazing like the the healing and then the, to see the beautiful like ripple effects in these folks families and their community because they were able to access this information it's just like you know like i've done i i feel good you know what i mean like if i do nothing else i feel good because because those things have happened that's amazing um but also like giving folks a means to do these sort of like interpersonal reparations. Like, you know, we, it's, who, who knows if reparations will actually come on any like large scale. So um, to me, it's about building these person to person community relationships. And so being able to give folks an opportunity to do that has also been really amazing and really healing for folks. Um, and so 
it's yeah, it's really been a huge game changer. Like we've been so incredibly blessed with the like kind of flow of of money in and out to to support the programming. Um, yeah, it's really been incredible. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> no, it's perfect. Can you rough calculation share like how what percentage of like um I guess your revenue or the money that's oh. coming in for people's medicine school, what percentage is sustained through this? Um it's a great question. <laughs> <laughs> Roughly so, speaking. <laughs> yeah, I'll say roughly, geez, oh my gosh, I could, you know, I'll, I will say one of the beautiful things about, um, you know, now having a, a, a more sustainable flow of currency is that I have an accountant. <laughs> <laughs> and that's legitimately like, it's been the one of the best things that's ever happened to me. But um, I don't I don't know, Eden. But this is what <laughs> can I give you another number that I just that I did I just ran these numbers? Yeah, this yeah. Will yeah. Give you, the, <laughs> I can I have some numbers for you. Um so but in like so right now in the folks who are registered for the course, um we have like 75% in the connection cohort are there through scholarship. So that's a huge number. Um, and then in another cohort, it's like 60% is there through scholarship. And then in the third cohort right now, it's like 30%. So those are big numbers. So you can kind of like use that to kind of like roughly translate into like how much income is coming in through, um, through contributors, which is, it's, it's amazing. We have a bunch of monthly contributors and then we have people who will just like, you know, give one-time contributions. And it's, I just really so amazing. And the thing, <laughs> you might remember this, Eden, is, <laughs> um, I make myself laugh sometimes, but um, I remember when we were setting up the program, I was just like, I don't, what I'm not going to do is beg for this money. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what I'm not going to do. I, this, <laughs> this is just like, this is just what's right and just what's fair and just what's like good is like redistributing wealth that you, that folks have gained through like just who's just like the color of their skin and different privileges. And like, I'm not going to like do any trauma porn. I'm not going to be like, look at this person that you can help support, you know, get a scholarship. Like I was like, I'm not going to do any of that. I'm not like, yeah. So there was, I had a lot of lines that I, that I created around this and just the fact that even with those lines, cause you know, sometimes it can be hard and like, I'm not a 501c3. So people aren't able to write it off as a tax return as a tax uh, write off. And the fact that people um, are still and have been contributing for years and that we're still able to, to, to bring in so much money in that way is just, it gets, you know, it's like, it, it gives me hope. I'm like, okay, people, people are okay. People are okay. People get it. You know, some of them. <laughs> yeah. No, totally. Um, and just so, or for folks who aren't aware, like on the website on, on rootworkerbles.com, you can click contribute and don't become a monthly sustainer for either five, 10 or $25 a month. So like, I think keeping that really accessible price point, like I know I've been one since years now. Right. And so yeah. when you add that up, it actually, you totally. know, is significant. 
And I think that's the beauty of the model is because there's a lot of folks who are not your typical donors who exactly. can definitely spare totally. 25 bucks a month, right? Totally. Um, somebody asked, you know, if you could share more about um, the process or groundwork that you needed to get people with money to contribute willingly and continuously. And, um, you know, I think that like, this is a really important thing about business building that again, gets glossed over in like the digital marketing world, like overnight success stories, like Rootwork Herbals and Amanda, true to the name, has been doing the root work for like many, many years, right? By the time that she was ready to launch the, you know, contribution option, she already had like a, a community locally built. Um, but I'm not saying that you have to engage in the, that relationship building for years and years and years. But um, I mean, I don't know. I think yeah. I'll let you answer the question, Amanda. <laughs> yeah, I think that has a lot to do with it, though. I do, because I feel like, um, yeah, like, you know, I was pretty well known in my community. Um, people were familiar with the work that I've been doing. Um, and so that really helped because I think it's like, you know, there is like a certain level of if people are contributing money to something they want to feel like it's going to make a difference. Like it's, it's going into a good place. And <laughs> in many ways, I'm just like, you should just give your money and you shouldn't worry about it. But also like, I get it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I get it. Like, of course, like I want this to like, to, to, to multiply and to, and to, and to do good things in the world. And so um, I think a lot of it was just that was that people kind of already were familiar with the work that we do. Um, and then, you know, we, you know, try to stay connected with the folks who um, are contributing. Again, it's not super frequent, but we have, um, you know, like maybe a, two or three times a year, we'll send out a newsletter, just kind of like, you know, inviting folks to come to the garden or inviting them to like join the, join the course or just like letting them know about different things that we're doing. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think... I think it's just about doing the work and people like knowing and seeing that you're doing the work is, is what kind of happened for, for us. And I think that, you know, just on the, on the kind of like, I'm not like a, a big donor, but on the, on the, on that end of things, and also just being a marketer, I think there's a lot to be said about like the energetics of the transaction. And like, mm -hmm. like, if you notice totally. the way that Amanda just shared that entire story, she really framed it all in a positive light um, in terms of just folks's energy going towards something good and like inviting that energy in, which is slightly different from being like, you have money and you should pay me because of <laughs> XXX, you know what I mean? And it's tempting to kind of like be like, yeah, duh, just give me the money. Right. <laughs> um, that would be, you know, but, but I think at the end of the day, humans are humans and they, I think make allowing people to feel like they are invited to be a part of the Absolutely. movement that you are yeah. in, I think is um, a, a, a more effective invitation usually. Totally. Totally. Yeah. I um, think that's, that's, Sorry, I'm cutting you off. Yeah. Sorry. But I think yeah. what you said is, is very true. Like with the way that we, and it's not just the way we frame things. It's really the way that we talk about it is like, we are doing this work together. Like this is our work. You know what I mean? Like this is, this is us. These are the things that we've done this year. And we, we do, that's how we communicate it because that's how it is. And I think that that does um, resonate. Like we're humans. We want to be a part of a community. We want to be a part of doing what's, what's, what's good and, and helpful. So um, yeah. so yeah, that's how we talk about it. 
Cool. One more quick question um, that came in that I, um, I think is an important one. Are you comfortable sharing if you're not a 501c3, what is your like business yeah. structure? Yeah, 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 absolutely. So I'm okay. Well, okay. So this is the whole, so uh, just a sole like single person LLC is like technically what I am on the books. I will just say that we did just get fiscal sponsorship. So we can now apply for, um, for grants through that, but our cat, like the people who contribute do it, it's not an option for them to go through the 501c3, um, to do that because for, for lots of reasons, but there's just like, honestly, like there's a lot of red tape and like, um, and, um, controls over like what happens and how and when with the, with the contributions, if it goes to the 501c3. So that's why. So yeah, just a, just an LLC. Cool. Beautiful. Um, okay. So you talked a little bit about when, like your relationship with social media and how you kind of pop on when you feel the vibe. And I'm curious about, um, so in my, from my point of view, like having a successful or sustainable business requires equal parts being available to tune into the present moment and kind of like notice where the energy is flowing and position yourself to like, you know, make that post on that day when, you know, it's like you're moved by that energy, but then there's also consistency that's, that's just required for any project to take root. Right. And so can you talk a little bit about the way that maybe like nature, you like kind of, let nature inform your business in a way? Yeah, absolutely. So I I mean, I feel like the only content that I can come up with is based around what's going on, like outside. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm always so grateful. I'm like, wow, what if like I was like an accountant? What the hell would I get on here and talk about every day? You know what I mean? I don't even know what I would come up with. But because like, you know, I um I'm just like really blessed to be able to live a life that's like uh, kind of close to the rhythms of the earth. That's pretty much what um, I talk about or what will prompt me to talk about something. Like if it's, you know, it's like, well, I'm a little late on this one, but like the, the spring equinox and Aries season just kicked off, which is amazing. Um, and so that's like, okay, like I have so many things to say about like this moment and the energy of this moment and how that's like um, infused in what's going on with the work that we're doing right now. And so, you know, I'll have like a, I have like a newsletter that I should have sent out, you know, maybe yesterday, but that I'm working on that will just be a part of that. And or so, or if it's like, like the first like nettles thing of the season or like whatever kind of things are happening, like on the earth or also in the heavens, it, it, the energy of that is a hundred percent what gets me to, um, to post something on social media. And because there's always amazing things happening and there's always an opportunity to be able to, to tie into the like natural rhythms and say something about it. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that people's medicine school specifically is aligned with those seasons. So it's like right now you're like recruiting to start totally. in May, I believe. And then you, yep. I don't know if you do, but I imagine you take a little bit of a break in the winter time. Absolutely. And I think working with those forces of nature, I mean, I, I'm not an herbalist, but even I in my business um, abide by similar laws. And I think that um, we can just kind of, it could be like the wind at our back versus trying to like, Absolutely. you know, uh, go upstream. Um, cool. So, uh, hot take. Does, do you think, does, does nature <laughs> exchange currency? Is, does, <laughs> like, 
oh my god Darcy Black's here hi Darcy Black um sorry. <laughs> so cute does nature exchange currency this is a wonderful question this is an interesting question um and this is what I will say about it when I think of currency this is kind of like where my head's at with it right now I think of currency as flow like more of like an electrical current like like it's a flow of energy right so um does nature exchange currency in that in that way absolutely like I feel like all of nature is based on the currency of life right like everything that's happening all the energy that's flowing through nature is happening toward sustaining life so that's like the ultimate currency <laughs> and I feel like when I think about when I think about money, like thinking about it in the terms of currency that sustains life is how I try to think about it. And also thinking about there's multiple currencies that are sustaining life, right? So there's money is one of them. And so that helps me to really make peace with, with the flow of money. Um, but also like community is another currency that sustains life. And so it's like, how do we balance and integrate all of the different currencies that sustain life in order to kind of like mimic this like grand current of of life that that nature is is um sustained by if that makes sense i don't know if that answers your question at all but that Love like the, okay i think it's just so important for those of us who are more sort of like earth-centered or holistic-minded folks who are often yeah so marginalized from the world of like wealth and money and these things it's like actually in like feel like one recalling that we already are very integrated with systems of of currency and if we can kind of think of it energetically and and just in different ways it can be really helpful ways to yeah feel integrated and aligned with with money versus um against it yeah. um Last hot take on this end, and then I'm going to open up for some Q&A. Um, New Money Social Club members, y'all are prioritized. If you have a, a, a question, then feel free to raise your hand and I'll call on you first. Otherwise, um, it's open to, the, to everybody. Um, I've been you know, really exploring on a deep level because we're teaching it in new money around, um, yeah, like abundance and scarcity. I think it's really tempting. And I think a lot of like, money mindset is all about like ditch the scarcity mentality and just like put on your abundance hat basically and just like that's it and as I, I I have to be able to fully get behind a story and I'm like wait 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 like scarcity does occur sometimes in nature and abundance also occurs in nature and what I find more normal and natural is that neither are constant um and Granted, having when you are in a moment of scarcity, utilizing an abundance mindset, I believe, will help you make better decisions in that moment that lead you towards a better outcome. Um, scarcity keeps us small and kind of scared, whereas, you know, making decisions from an abundance mindset can really provoke growth and expansion. Um, but yeah, I'm just curious if you have any thoughts as somebody who works closely with the earth and with nature around the naturalness of scarcity and abundance. Yeah, also a great question. I think that what you said really hits on it. I feel um, all things exist in nature, right? Like literally all of them, everything beyond our wildest dreams, everything we can imagine, even everything we do exists in nature because we are uh, nature, turns out. And so, to say that like 
abundance is the only thing in nature is just false. You know what I'm saying? Like there is, there are times of scarcity. We, we, we see that they might be, you know, self-inflicted. They might be inflicted by other humans, but scarcity is something that occurs in nature. It is a part of it. And so I think just focusing, like you're saying on the abundance piece is like a little bit of like bypassing the realities that people are facing like every day. And that's, that's not cool. So um, I think it's about choosing the parts of nature that you resonate with and want to like try to emulate in your life. And so, um, you know, I always think about this with like Western science kind of versus indigenous science where it's like Western science is like, oh, it's, you know, competition. It's like survival of the fittest. And like, can you find that in nature? 100% if you look for it and that's what you want to find. Or can you like also look in nature and find like reciprocity and collaboration? 100%, you know what I'm saying? And like, that's where like um, indigenous science lies. And so I feel like everything is in nature. It's finding what feels good for you to like, to yeah, to like, to to try to step into that flow. And so there, and there's no constants. There's no constants. It's like, Goddess change, Octavia Butler, like said it best. It's like change is the only constant. And so there's always going to be ebbs and flows in all of the spectrums. And so it's just like choosing, choosing, choosing the place in the spectrum that you want to um, try to invoke and just doing the best you can. That it led me to a final, final, <laughs> final thought. Amanda, I'm curious if you can think of any plants that to you serve as like a, a symbol or a, like that you can draw some strength from when it comes to, cause I know a lot of folks are just really reckoning, reckoning with their relationship with like abundance mm-hmm. and kind of stepping into their full power and shining um, and deserving and receiving. I'm curious if there's any plants that like come to mind that like mm-hmm. serve as a, a great question plants that come to mind just give me a second sorry we don't have a second time's up um <laughs> i think well okay so a plant that's going to be out soon it's a plant i love so dearly it's a plant that everybody knows um and i think i think does speak to speak to this is dandelion and I think um, dandelion, it's so beautiful and it's so abundant and it's, but also it's like so common. I think that it, and it's like so incredibly like beneficial for the earth and for animals and for people. And so I think dandelion is this beautiful way to like really tap into understanding the beauty of like abundance. And even if it's like common and even if it's like an abundance that like most of the population overlook and 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 feels like they're trying to get rid of it it's like this symbol of like rooted resilience and still being able to like shine and like um just be out there in your glory no matter what like the systems around you um think of you but just being so sure and 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 good within yourself of what you're doing that like this abundance and joy is still radiating off of you I don't know if that's exactly the question but dandelion because it is about to pop is really on my mind the leaves are about to be out which is like amazing nourishment um and I just feel like it has so many lessons 
um, around like, yeah, like knowing your worth and resilience and abundance. So um, I'm going to go with dandelion. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for that. I love and chills and can't, uh, can't wait to honor the dandelions. Thank you so, so much, Amanda, for your time today, for the just tremendous work that you have been holding space for, you know, for so many years. And talk about dandelion energy, right? Like, I feel like you've you've been doing this for so much for so many years. You've been doing that root work for so many years. And like you were out here doing it in your own way. I mean, for those of you who are not familiar, the world of herbalism most of it looks a particular type of way, even though a lot of herbalists are really cool people and do great, beautiful work. A lot of it is through like a Western lens. And, you know, if you take an herbalism class, you're learning the taxonomy and memorizing all of these names. And like Amanda's approach has always been so different, decolonized, if I will, um, or if I may. And, um, and just getting to know one plant at a time, which I just think was so rule breaking and you really had to hold space for your own power for so many years before you ever even got on Instagram. And so just honoring you and all of the incredible work and, um, you know, just medicine and energy that you've offered to so many people for so many years, honoring all of the beautiful community that has formed around this work and um, so much love to all of you. I'm super inspired and uh, please stay in touch. Check out the People's Medicine School if you don't know already um, at Root Work Herbals. Also check out New Money Social Club at New Money Social Club um, and uh, have a wonderful weekend. Y'all happy spring equinox. Bye.